You are listening to the Rising Phoenix podcast. This is a podcast about maternal mental health. Disclaimer, we are not professionals. We are moms who've experienced this ourselves and want to share our stories and stop the stigma. Heads up, some content may be triggering. We are recording from the Stone Sheba podcast studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and more. Hey everybody, this is Leslie. I am here with my friend Carla with Jot Journals. She is a mom of two and she lives in Utah. She's a former first grade teacher and now she is a small business owner with Jot Journals. I am so excited to get into that later in the podcast. Um, so tell us about you and your journey of becoming a mom. Yeah, well hi. Um, so I became a mom almost three years ago to my little girl, Janie. Um, she turns three at the beginning of March. She's a little spitfire. Um, so I I left teaching. I was in the middle of my first, or my, sorry, my fourth year teaching when I had Jeannie. And um, yeah, I, I had a really smooth delivery. I was really fortunate and was able to not have any infertility issues or anything. I was able to get pregnant really easy. And I'm so thankful for that. It's such a blessing. And I know that's not the case for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um and so I guess everything was really smooth, honestly, and I had easy delivery, um, and then I brought my baby home, and pretty much right from the beginning, I had a really hard time, um, and I have a little bit of a history of some anxiety, you know, I had a little bit in college, and when I got my master's degree, like, just when a lot of things happen at once, I've noticed my anxiety will just spike, and so, um, especially if I have a lot of responsibilities all at once, um, and I didn't really know much about postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety. I know, like, when my mom, I was, like, newly pregnant, and I asked my mom, like, mom, like, I've heard about this, you know, a little bit, like, did you experience this? And I, she like broke down sobbing and was so embarrassed because she did have it. And, you know, she was 31 when she had me. So that was a long time ago. Like she just, you know, and back then I think it was really hush hush and they didn't have a lot of support and help. And I was so surprised. I was like, mom, why haven't you ever told me about this? Like that you had some depression and, um, and she just was so embarrassed by it. And so, I got a little bit nervous, like, oh, I wonder if that will happen to me. Probably not. I'll be fine. And, you know, continue with my pregnancy, had my baby, and then I brought her home from the hospital, and I I pushed really hard when I had her. Like, the doctor, I tore quite a bit, and the doctor was like, yeah, like, you pushed a little, like, just too intensely almost, mm-hmm. um, and maybe too fast. And so um, I just really, really hurt a lot. Um, and so I think like the shock of the pain and then the major shock of the sleep deprivation and then this huge life change, like completely just put me out. Like I remember, I don't remember a lot about the first couple days. I just remember barely being able to walk. Um, and if I, I would like a couple times I slept through my pain meds, like the ibuprofen they give you. And I just woke up feeling like I had been hit by something and could barely get up. And it was just like, just so disorienting to me. I hated it. And I had this baby I had to care for and My body was like a train wreck. So that was just really discouraging for me right off the bat. Um, and then, yeah, I, 
I just, the emotions like were flooding, even in the hospital. I remember waking up, they took her to the nursery, I think the second night, because we had to stay because she was a little jaundiced, so we were there a couple nights, and they took her to the nursery, and I finally fell asleep, and then I woke up sobbing, like in this panic, like, where's my baby? Like, I called the nurse, and I was, like, trying to stay calm, because I didn't want want her to hear that I was crying, (laughs) but I just was, like, shaking and so panicked, like, where's my baby? And so I knew pretty quickly, like, something wasn't quite right. Like there was just a lot of emotion and physical and then emotional trauma I felt like that was happening and change that was happening. Um, and so that first week at home was awful. It was awful. That sounds terrible. <laughs> um, it was so bad. And I, I just was not myself. My husband was terrified for me because he was like, I, I would just lay up there than the bed and they would bring me my daughter to nurse and my mom and dad were there helping and um I mean I was actively with her and I loved my baby but I just like I just was so I don't know the right word just so surprised by how everything had changed so quickly Mm -hmm. and my body and my emotions I felt like I couldn't get in control of crying I just was always crying um And I knew, like, okay, maybe it's, like, the baby blues because they kept coming in and telling me that, you know, like, the two-week baby blues. But these just felt really intense. Yeah. It just felt like a lot that this felt more than blues, but I didn't know. It was my first baby. Oh, yeah. I didn't know. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember calling, like, an on-call doctor, and he was like, you're fine. It's just the baby blues. This was, like, a few days in. And just kind of, like, brushed me aside. Um, And so... Like, I, I'm sorry, if a mom is reaching out with an emotional yeah. need, that's kind of a big deal. It's a big deal. He was not a great doctor. Uh, this is not my OB. My OB is amazing, but this on-call doctor was not great. Dang it. Um, yeah, he was awful. And so I just remember being like, okay, like, I guess I'm okay if, I guess this is normal. But I, I like, got to the point in the first couple of days where I couldn't eat. I was, like, nauseous. to Like, I just could not eat. I would eat little tiny sips of soup or my mom would be like, here's an insure, like those insure drinks that have protein in them. Like she just went and bought a ton because that's all I would eat was insure drinks. Um, and I just, I was shaking like my, it was just the weirdest experience right after you had a baby and it was supposed to be so joyful and so amazing. And I just, that added to the emotions, mm-hmm. you know, cause I was like de- depressed within myself. Like, why can't you just be happy? that you just had this beautiful baby. Um, and so anyway, so continuing on, wasn't eating very well, wasn't sleeping very well, because of course, every time my newborn made it any noise, I was up. So oh. major lack of sleep. Um, and I told myself, this was nothing to do with my husband, but in my head, I was like, well, I'm nursing, so I should be the one to get up with her and heal sleep. Like, I don't, my mind was just like not... <laughs> Right. And so, like, I will nurse her. I will change her diaper. I will burp her. And he will sleep. <laughs> and I was just like, why would I think that that's okay? Like, I just had a baby. He should, of course, help. And, and he did. But I would be like, oh, no, no, it's okay. I got this. Yeah. And I also would isolate myself. I would, in the middle of the night, I would walk across to her room, her nursery, and go nurse her because I didn't want to disturb my husband. Like, that. That's ridiculous. Looking back now, I'm like, Carla, what were you thinking? Like, who cares? Wake him up and he can burp and change the baby, you know? (laughs) So lots of interesting, like, 
hindsight, I guess. But um, And so, yeah, so during that week, I would walk past the stairs, like on the landing past the stairs to her nursery, and that's when the dark thoughts started. Mm-hmm. And I would, I remember having this thought as I was holding my baby and I was doing a little bit better than mo- like physically, I was starting to feel a little better within that first week home. But, um, like emotionally, that's when like that spiraled. And I, um, I remember walking past the landing and just having this thought came out of nowhere. Like, what if I just threw her down the stairs? Mm-hmm. Like, and that, and then I just started sobbing because I, I just loved this sweet baby and I would sit in her rocking chair and nurse her and just bawl because why would I have those thoughts about my precious baby? Um, and it wasn't like I had sat there and thought about them. It was just this fleeting thought. Yeah. Um, and it, this is the other thing I was thinking about today while I was thinking about this podcast and what I wanted to say. Like my baby was not colicky, super easygoing baby. It wasn't like she, and I know colic doesn't show up for a while, but she just wasn't fussy. She was really easygoing. So it wasn't like I was in the thick of like a screaming baby moment and having a bad thought. Mm-hmm. These thoughts can happen regardless of how easy or hard your baby is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just started having these thoughts and then the guilt set in and I felt like totally ashamed. What will my husband think of me? What will my mom who's staying here think of me? Um, and so I just sat there by myself at like 2 a.m. holding this baby thinking I'm an awful mother. Like I already, I want to hurt my baby and like throw her down the stairs. Or I had like thoughts of like throwing her against the wall, like just completely out there, not my personality, not me at all. And, um, it was really discouraging. And so within, that's when that like spiraled to me laying in the bed all day. I just like couldn't get out of bed because I just felt awful And so, um, then I went and saw my doctor and my OB is incredible, just absolutely incredible man. Um, and I'm so thankful I switched. I had an awful doctor my first 20 weeks and then I switched to him. It was just kind of random, like a Google search nearby my house because I was sick of the other doctor and I was like, I don't want him to be my OB. And so I switched to this other guy and it was such a blessing to do that because he's been such a blessing in my family. Um, and so about a week, I think it was like a week to the day after Janie was born, and I told my husband and my mom and I and my husband, we all talked to me, we were like, you have to go to the doctor. Like, you're not yourself. You have a baby that needs you, and we need you. We need you to be here. Um, and so I went and saw my doctor, and they squeezed me in because they were great. It wasn't this bad on-call doctor, but the rest of the, like, the nurses, I called the nurse line and explained what was going on, and they were like, okay, honey, we're getting you in today, and um, they were just so good, and they, I mean, he's a really popular doctor, too, so it was hard to get in, but they, like, squeezed me in, and he, the second he walked in, like, I was sitting there shaking, because I was so worried what he was going to think about me, Mm -hmm. and, um, like, was he going to take my baby, was he, you know, like, I don't know, um, and anyways, he walked in, and I hadn't been eating. I was shaking. My eyes were, like, sunken, just, like, dark circles. And he just sat down, and he said, talk to me. And I just started sobbing. And um, he just he just listened to me. He just listened, and he just nodded, and he didn't judge. And um, he just absolutely – and he, uh, he just – he, at one point when I explained that I was having some dark thoughts, 
he looked at me and he said, Carla, I bet that if you asked your husband or any husband that's up late at night with the baby listening to them cry, they might have a couple dark thoughts here and there too. Like you are not as alone as you think you are. Um, and sorry, this is a lot more emotional than I thought, but, um, anyways, he, and then he proceeded to talk to me about how all of what I was feeling is completely normal and, and that he is here to help me every step of the way. And he, the one thing that calmed me down the most and made me feel sane that like he explained it to me like this. He said, you are being tortured and you don't even realize it. He said, people that are in Guantanamo Bay, that big prison, um, he said, before they resort to waterboarding, they sleep deprive them. And he, they, he said, they put their prisoners to sleep and then they wake them up every two hours and march them around the camp, put them back to sleep and they do it all night. And he said, you are literally being tortured. Your mind, like, that's what your mind is going to because you're waking up every two hours to nurse a baby that's cluster feeding, you know. Um, and and he said, your mind is not going to be in the right spot when you're, when you're doing that. And he said, I can tell you love your baby so very much. I'm not worried about you in that sense. But here are options we can go forward with. And he talked about, like, the estrogen spray and medicine and therapy and um, I explained by, at that point, I explained my, I'd been to therapy for anxiety before and found it really helpful. And he said, okay, so if we get to that point, let's start there. Um, but he also said, I'm happy to give you medicine. I just don't think you're quite there yet, even though I felt like I was, yeah. but I also, I didn't at that point, I was like, well, I don't want to just jump on medicine right now. So, and I was just feeling calm to have a doctor that sat there and listened to me oh, yeah. like that. That was where it all kind of changed. Cause I just thought, okay. And he's got five kids, so he understands. He's had his wife go through this five times, so he really understands. And then he does this for a living. Um, but, yeah, he just – he was the one that calmed me down. And then he also gave me some advice that really has stuck with me and been kind of a mission I've been on myself whenever my friends have a baby, especially for the first time. I really make um, the point of reaching out to them. And he, the doctor told me that, you know, we're in this – world now where we kind of just like shut ourselves in our homes and we get on social media and we see what everybody else is doing and the thing is I hear this all the time and I'm like that's not me like I'm not sitting there comparing myself but I am and so sitting there you know in this state of mind and he just sat there and he said you need to open your door to anyone who wants to help you and have people when your husband goes back to work and your mom leaves you need to have people come in and spend an hour with you every day or whatever you need, but it's going to feel really easy to not want to open that door Mm -hmm. and to not want to like share how hard this has been. And so I just like said, okay, I'm going to do that. And, um, and so once my mom left, she stayed for a couple weeks, but once my mom left, I did that. I had people from church in the neighborhood that would bring in a meal and I would just say, do you want to come sit and chat for a little bit? And and we would just chat. And even if it was a half hour or whatever, that made a huge difference to me. You're um, so brave to, like, <sighs> show up to the doctor knowing he might take my baby. And mm-hmm. I'm just going to ask somebody if they can stay longer and talk to me. That's pretty bold. Yeah. That's oh, pretty awesome. I just knew that I needed to pull myself out of that hole. 
And so, and the thing is, those thoughts did not go away. Like, I have to be so clear about that. They didn't get worse. And I definitely would have gone back to my doctor if I, they had gotten worse. Mm-hmm. And he made an appointment, like, I'm going to see you in a week. And we'll talk then. And I was so much better. But even just then, just knowing that I wasn't crazy, everything was okay. And this was a hormonal imbalance slash being tortured when you think of it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyways, and so, yeah, it really made all the difference to go talk to my doctor and to have and he also said at the end of the appointment he just said we are all here for you like all the nurses like we are all 100% here you call us anytime and I will come help you so that made the biggest difference for me that's so amazing so what did the next few months look like for you after that the next few months what I started telling myself was that's not real. That was kind of my phrase in my head. So I was terrified to walk past those stairs because I thought anytime I walked past those stairs holding her that I would have that thought. Mm -hmm. And and I still did. I still had those thoughts. But what I did, I just started saying in my head or even out loud, I just said, that's not real. You don't want to throw her down the stairs. You love your baby. And then I would just move forward. Mm -hmm. And I know that's not as simple for everybody else, but that's what worked for me. And then I talked really openly about it. Um, because that was the next step for me was feeling so isolated. I isolate myself because I had these awful thoughts. And so I talked really openly with my mom while she was there. And then I just continued to do that, uh, with people I trusted and, um, friends that would check in. I'd be like, yeah, I just, you know, been struggling with this and that I didn't necessarily go as in depth but now years later I've been really open with other people because I realize how awful it felt to feel isolated and I think sometimes you just need to hear like people will say I had dark thoughts but when someone says the dark thought that they had it's like oh okay that's awful that's Mm -hmm. horrible and horrifying to hear that but I actually had that you know or at least they know what to expect and can feel like Carla is someone I can go and talk to Mm -hmm. and not feel judged. And she'll just wrap her arms around me and be like, I understand I've been there, you know? So the next few months were a lot better and it was just kind of a gradual increase of kicking those thoughts out, talking to people, being open. Yeah. You know, my mom always says to me like throughout a lot of the healing I've done, she always says, you have to puke the poison so you can make space. She's like, puke that poison so that you can fill that space with something positive. And I love that. And that's, you know, I mean, those intrusive thoughts are are ugly and scary Mm -hmm. and dark, but you have to set them free. Like, you have to let them out, you know, because I feel like the more, like, there's a hashtag right now with um, maternal mental health of speak the secret. You know, and it's, it is, I mean, your thoughts and your fears and your anxieties and all those things that are inside of your brain are, you know, the more that they're a secret for you, the more guilt and shame and all those things like, so anyways, good. You are so bold. I love this. So what, what gave you the courage to try again? Were you totally freaked out of going through that again? Yeah. With my next baby. Yeah. Yeah. So my two kids are 23 months apart. So they're pretty close in age, and um, that scared me a lot because my daughter wasn't even was almost two when I had my son. Um, that scared me, and yeah, I was terrified. I was really terrified that the whole hospital would happen, like that experience of like screaming for my baby and like just waking up sobbing. Um, and 
I did not have the same anxiety because I, I refer to it as like some postpartum anxiety is what I experienced and some depression. But for me, it felt very anxious. When I get anxious, I won't eat. So that's how I kind of recognize like, okay, that something's not right. Um, and then, um, but with my son, I actually thought I was in the clear. I really did. I was like, I'm doing great. You know, I had a super awesome delivery, like did one push and he was out. Like it was just so chill. Um, same doctor, great experience. And so I just thought, okay, we're doing good. And, and then, um, my son got RSV and was hospitalized for RSV at a month old. He was like 31 days old. So that kind of, I think like sent me into a freak out, you know, and it wasn't as severe as before, but just, I mean, I didn't, I kind of started to isolate myself a little bit again, where I didn't want to spend time with friends because I'm trying to keep my baby healthy Mm -hmm. after being hospitalized. It's terrifying to watch your one month old be like complete, like a nasal cannula. It was scary. It was so scary. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think I've recognized I'm almost a year postpartum in a week. I'll be a year postpartum with this little boy. And, um, one thing that I have realized as of this time is that I think I've been depressed and didn't realize it. Mm. Now, like I feel I haven't been like in my bed all day I, and I, I had to recognize like that's not what depression looks like um, for everyone. And I think I've just been kind of going through the motions or just like getting really angry really easily, which I've heard just recently in the past couple months about postpartum rage and what I've heard like several posts about it and they all happened at once. And I thought, Oh my gosh, is that me? I had no idea that was a thing. Um, and I, you know, saw the descriptive words and thought, Oh my gosh, that's probably what I've been experiencing because I would just get so angry over really ridiculous things. And I think a lot of that is of course hormonal, but a lot of it comes with like the stress I put on myself and the pressure I put on myself to be this kind of mom. Um, It almost stems from like perfectionism or OCD type. Mm -hmm. I've heard that a lot. So if my toddler is like, throwing a tantrum when I'm trying in my head, I'm like, I'm getting this, this, and this done today, but this is stopping it, you know? And instead of like taking the time to be good with her and help her work through her feelings, she's just in my way of accomplishing things. And that's when like the rage would come out, Mm -hmm. you know, where I would just like yell at her way more than I ever would. Um, and I, you know, and that, that got better. I noticed that kind of peak, like probably when my son was about six months old, um, maybe like the four to six month old range. And then it went down because I like really quickly recognized it. Like that's not how we, you know, talk to our toddler. She did (laughs) nothing wrong. (laughs) Um, But I still will notice it here and there where I just like will feel like that anger rising up inside of me. And I've had to just walk away and, and walk away and make sure my kids are safe and then just go and like take a breather in the bathroom or something. Put yourself in timeout. That's what I said. 100%. My mom always said that, and I always hurt my feelings, but now I get it. It's so true. I totally get it. So, what are you doing nowadays for self-care? What do you, how are you in a good space? How are you where you're at? I'm still trying to get there. Mm -hmm. What do you do Um, every day? I work out every day. But even today, I got really frustrated with myself and, like, my situation as a mother because 
my kids are not the best sleepers. And I thought, okay, you know what? That's okay. I'm going to get up at five. I'm going to get up at five every day and I'm going to work out. And then my kids will wake up early like they always do. And I'll be, that will be done with my day and I'll get those endorphins going. And the past few days, my baby's woken up at five or five fifteen and like ready for the day. Of course. Um, and working out with little guys is just really hard. And so I just kind of, you know, I'm still, I feel like I'm still like trying to find some sort of routine where I can like, where's Carla? Like, where can I take care of me? Um, and not these little guys who I just love so, so much, but they're just always with me. Uh-huh. <laughs> so they're always there. And I do like re- recognize how much I just need some space. So one thing I've started doing is some girl night, girls nights, just like I put my kids to bed, say bye to my husband, and we go watch The Bachelor with my friends, you know? (laughs) Even if it's just like an hour and a half, two hours, it's so nice. And um, so I try to exercise at some point. I'm still working on figuring out how I can fit exercise into this routine. (laughs) It's been rough, but I recognize exercise is important, important for me. And I love to read. I love to read. And I've kind of like rediscovered that I don't have to shut that part of me down just because I have little kids and I barely have time for that. So I've just like, I will read while I walk on the treadmill. Like I oh, will, good for you. I will say it's reading time guys. And my kids love books and they love to just play in the books. So sometimes I'll read with them. Um, but sometimes I just pull out my book and I feel like you can teach by example. And if they see me mm-hmm. on my, like reading my books as opposed to being on my phone and just scrolling, I feel like, at least I can show them that, <laughs> that this is important to mom and I enjoy to read, you know. So that's something I just recently started is reading because I always had a book, always. There was always a book in my bag growing up and I haven't read books in a really long time or finished one, I should say. Mm-hmm. I always start them. Um, I listen to podcasts. I listen to audiobooks. So anything in that realm where I feel like I'm feeding my soul and my, my mind, that's really really been helpful um and then just sometimes I just go to you guys have so delicious right sometimes I just go to so delicious and Mm -hmm. get a cookie (laughs) and then that helps and so and your journals so jot journals yeah that's kind of part of probably what's healing you too right so tell us about that yeah I'll tell you about that how that started because that stems 100% from being in the thick of motherhood so I was um six weeks postpartum with my son Cohen um and he I was up at 2 a.m nursing him and doing like the mindless stay awake scroll on Instagram just to like stay awake and I was nursing him and I just was sitting there and I just kept thinking, I am so lonely. Like I feel so lonely and I feel like, what are my kids going to remember about me? You know, like I, I know they're little, but all they do is really like see me clean and I play with them and we sing and dance and like, that's all good. But they see me like clean and run errands and, and do this and this, but I, I just like feel like they need a record that like I was more than just like a cleaner and a mother and a wife and a cook. Like I want this personal record that they can pull from the shelf and read mom had highs and lows. Oh mom. And like that they would relate to me in that sense. And I just, it was like 2am and I just sat there thinking like, how, how can I stop feeling like I'm so lost? Cause I just felt 
like, where am I in all of this? All I do is cook and clean and nurse (laughs) and change diapers. And it's wonderful. And this is all I've ever dreamt of, but it's really hard. And I, you know, and I was just like admitting all this to myself, nursing my sweet baby. And I just pulled out, I got off Instagram and pulled up the notes and I just started jotting out ideas. And that's where I got the word jot because I wanted it to be, I thought, okay, how can I make this? Because I know I'm not the only mom that feels this way. I know I'm not the only person. You don't have to be a mother to want to journal and have a record and express yourself. And I thought, but like, why haven't I kept journals? I've tried and failed and tried and failed. I have so many unfilled journals um, that I've started and never finished. And I thought, okay, so maybe I need to have like open-ended prompts, like highs and lows, like just three little lines for each one and a goal and gratitude. And I just started like writing out all these different prompts that I would need to reflect daily or weekly, however I chose to journal. Um, And then I thought it needs to be quick. I need to be able to do this in five to 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And that's another like how I thought of the word jot, like that word just kept coming to my mind because jot means to write quickly, you know? And so, um, anyways, that's how jot was born. And it just kind of, I knew it was going to be expensive. Like it was going to, you know, cost money. And, and so I just kind of was, I told Trevor, my husband about it and he was like, okay. And I have a lot of ideas. So poor guy was just like, (laughs) okay, here she goes. Another idea. (laughs) And, um, and they change a lot, but I, this one, I just kind of like, you know, would keep going back to that note and keep adding to it and months passed and I just kept bringing it up like once a month. I'm like, I can't shake this. Like I've got to do this. And I would, and the thing is I would have conversations with my friends. We'd like walk in the park, pushing our kids or just several conversations happened without people knowing I was thinking about this. Like, man, I just wish I like. I journaled better. I wish I had this record for my kids or like just crazy stuff where I was like, okay, I have to do this because I now for sure know I'm not alone. Um, and, and the moment I started doing that, I just felt like a lot of the depression I was in kind of lifting away and I started immersing myself more with my friends and, um, yeah. And then I think I started, I reached out to a designer on Etsy. Like I just was kind of like, I don't know, how can I do this as affordable as possible for me, but I also wanted to make it affordable for moms and whoever bought them. So like I researched a ton about the materials of how the journals were made. And I just think that it, I don't know, like for me, I don't really have an income. I'm a stay at home mom. Um, and so, I mean, I share the money with my husband, but like we're on a tight budget and I know that I'm not the only person experiencing that. And I thought, okay, so I can't make these journals 30 bucks. Like they have to be affordable. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of thought went into it and it really was inspired by my feeling in the trenches of a mother, um, and not wanting to lose my voice. Like, I don't think that I should just be identified as a mother and a wife. Like I started out as me and I should continue to be that. And I want my kids to see that. So, and my posterity, I want like the journals. I just pictured these beautiful journals lining the shelves and people pulling them down and reading about me. And I thought that would be really cool. So. That's like giving me the chills. I love that so much. Oh my gosh. And so how do people get these? What's your Instagram handle and how do they get the journals? Yeah. 
so I'm um, jot underscore journals. And you can go to my bio, and there is a link there. And I'm about to release um, a childhood journal as well. So this is, JOT is an acronym. So it stands for Journals Over Time. And I'm in the process, it's going to be a process, but I'm in the process of creating journals for every age and stage of life. So it's not just for mothers. The first journal I released is a daily journal. Some people do it weekly. Some do it every other day. It's totally up to you. Um and but I just released a childhood one. I'm about to, sorry, I'm about to release it in a couple of days. Oh my gosh. That is yeah. amazing. Um Thanks. oh my gosh. I'm like I just went to pick up my phone, but you're on my phone to order one. <laughs> okay. So jot underscore journals and that's with an S on the end, right? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Awesome. And um I'm going to ask you the famous question because I want to know. Um, on your worst day, Carla, on the worst mm. day for you, probably that first week. Yeah. Um, if you could go back, knowing what you know now, where you're at today, if you could go back and look yourself in the eye, what would you tell yourself? What would you tell her? Um, I would say what my mom always told me growing up when I was in a hard spot she and I hated it because it made me so mad, <laughs> but it's so true. Um, she would say, Validate my feelings 100%. I would validate young Carla and I would tell her, This is all very real and it's okay to feel how you're feeling. Um, but I would say, like, This is one minute, one moment on your blip of life, and so just keep going, don't give up, keep going, fight through it because. And it doesn't invalidate it that it's only one tiny moment, but it is just one moment and you will go through this and you will push through it. And that's what I would tell myself, that it's not forever because it it felt forever in the moment. It so does. It's so crazy. Um, That's actually really good advice. I like that a lot. Um, Is there anything else you want to share with the moms out there? Um, No, I think, I mean, if anything, it's just to to open yourself up to help for sure because that was a really big healing agent for me um and I didn't I love my husband so much but they don't understand what it's like to have the hormonal imbalance and he was supportive but I really needed to open myself up to other women Mm -hmm. and the minute I did their stories came flooding in oh that happened to me it's okay you know and this is this was my experience and I did medicine or I did therapy and you know it's amazing what people are willing to share once they feel safe talking with you and you sometimes just have to be the one to open that door mm-hmm. I love that yeah. I, I take notes during these podcasts so that I can kind of come up with the description and that's yeah. one of the main things I wrote down was open the door to anyone who wants to help you because I just think yeah. either pride or shame or anything like we just we don't do that enough and we want to help each other you know mm-hmm. so anyways I thank you so much i this is probably one of my favorites that we've done. I just love Aww. how to the point you are just, I don't know. This was really Thank great. You. And I love the journals. I love that because it is easy to forget who you were before you were a mom. Yeah. Or who you are even while you're a mom, but outside of that. Yeah. You know, that's you really it. Yeah. Remember who you are. So anyways, thank you so much for your time and, um, We will tag you in this, and then we'll put in the description your journals page so everybody can go and grab themselves one. I can't wait. I cannot wait. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you for listening to the Rising Phoenix podcast. 
If you feel like you can relate and would be open to share your story with us, please email us at risingphoenixpodcast at gmail.com. For more information on local and national resources for pregnancy and postpartum health, visit www.postpartum.net or www.psiutah.org. We are recording from the Stone Sheba Podcast Studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and others. Thanks for listening.